Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 28. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. God has delivered his people out of the bondage of Egypt after four centuries, 400 years. And after several months of traveling through the wilderness, God brought them to this great rectangular-shaped mountain called what, saints? What, two people know that? No, no, Lord, tell me it ain't so. The big rectangular-shaped mountain is called... Mount Sinai. That was still tentative. (laughs) Mount Sinai. And if you were with us, you know the mountain begins to quake, you know, and it begins to shake and there's smoke and there's fire. And Moses enters the presence of God and God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Not only did God give Moses the Ten Commandments, but he also gave him laws to live by. He also gave him instructions as it relates to how to build the tabernacle. And over the last several weeks, we have talked about that. We spent a good bit of time looking at the tabernacle, looking at the types and the parallels of Jesus. If you were with us, you know that. And so far, in terms of those types and parallels, we looked at the Ark of the Covenant, remember? And we talked about the table of showbread, and we talked about the menorah, and we talked about the tabernacle itself. And then the last time we were together, we talked about the courtyard. Remember, the tabernacle is located in the courtyard. Now, the thing that I want to point out to you tonight is you need to understand, we need to understand that there was only one tabernacle. There weren't many tabernacles. There was one tabernacle in one area. There weren't many in various areas. There wasn't a tabernacle in your neighborhood that was a little bit different from the tabernacle down the street. And so you go visit the other tabernacle to see if the Lord might be leading you there. You couldn't pick and choose your style of worship. Couldn't pick and choose your taste of worship. It was one tabernacle and it was at the center of the camp. Don't you remember all of the tents? Remember, we talked about of Israel were pitched around the tabernacle, north, south, east and west on all sides. And then uh, in front of their pitched area was a particular flag that was flying, which was symbolic to that particular tribe. So the tabernacle was in the center. When Israel woke up in the morning... They stepped outside and guess what they would see? The tabernacle. Very good. They step out to get a breath of fresh air and they're looking right at the tabernacle. Now, listen, the reason the tabernacle was in the center of the camp was because God was trying to teach them something. What is that, Rodney? God was trying to teach them. Are you listening? 
God was trying to teach them the very same thing he's trying to teach us. And that is he wants to be at the hub in the center of your life. Everything you do. Remember, they couldn't walk out of the tent without seeing the tabernacle. Everything, don't you understand, everything that we do, every fiber of who we are, God wants to be at the center of that. God wants to be at the center of our lives. Everything revolves around him. So as you approach the tabernacle, from the east, you would notice that there was a fence, and this fence was seven and a half feet tall, 75 feet wide, and 150 feet deep. There were actually three veils of the temple. We've been talking about the veil of the temple, but in actuality, you can think of it like this. There were three veils of the temple. The first veil, the Bible calls it a gate, but it was a woven veil, was a woven curtain. Remember we talked about that? And it was many colors to this curtain. So as you enter through the gate into the courtyard, the first thing that you would run into is an altar. This altar was seven and a half feet square, four and a half feet tall. The altar was made of brass. Calvary Chapel folks, give me some help. Brass speaks of what? Judgment. Boy, you guys are tentative tonight. Brass speaks of, say it with me, judgment. So what we have when you walk through the gate, the very first thing you see, the very first thing you bump into is a brass or a brazen altar. As you enter, you would see the priest doing something that the animal rights people would have a real problem with. They were slitting the throats of the animals of the sacrificial lamb and draining the blood cutting the throats and sacrificing animals. Here we have the priest in ministry sacrificing animals. The blood was being shed. And and, and what we learn is is we can see already that the ministry actually for the priest is actually pretty bloody. And at the end of the day, the priest would go away after having sacrificed all of these animals. They are covered with blood from the animals. They would have to discard their garments. They couldn't wear the same thing the next day and come and offer sacrifice in those same clothes. So they would discard their garments and then they would take those bloody clothes and they would cut them up and use them in the wicks, in the menorah for the candle. Very interesting is what they would do with their bloody clothing, if you will. Now, we can learn something right away, saints. If you've been with us, perhaps you've been getting this. But we can learn something right away as we look at the life of the priest and the sacrifice and the blood and all of these things and atonement. We can learn that if you are going to approach God, listen, Christian, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, non-believer, please listen. If you are going to approach God, you must come to God with a blood sacrifice. It is a principle that is taught in the Old Testament, and it's certainly a principle that is not only taught, but seen in the New Testament. If you're going to come to God, you must come with a blood sacrifice. Don't miss this. Watch this. Before worship, if you're a note taker, you write this down. Before worship, there must be sacrifice. Before worship, there must be sacrifice. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to come to God by way of the blood. You must come by the sacrifice of the innocent. Now, here's your word for today, Bible students. We call that 
the sacrifice of the innocent shed for the sins, we call that vicarious atonement. Vicarious atonement. Vicarious atonement means simply this. Something or someone takes the place for you or a substitute. Something or someone takes the place for you or as a substitute. So a typical day in Jewish life was there was a killing in the morning and a killing in the evening. And that's why the book of Hebrews talks about with the death of Jesus. Are you listening? With the death of Jesus, he has put an end to the continual sacrifice. That was our staff devotion yesterday. With the death of Jesus, he has put an end to the continual sacrifice. So you're entering, you're still tracking with me in your mind's eye. You're entering into the courtyard through the east gate. You see this brass altar. Then you see behind the altar another article of brass. This article of brass is a brazen or brass wash basin. This is where the priests would go and wash their hands after the sacrifice. Beyond that wash basin, we're talking about looking at the tabernacle from the east. Beyond the wash basin was another veil, if you will. And behind that veil, you go through that veil. Now you have just entered into the first compartment of the tabernacle, which is called the holy place. It's in that first compartment of the tabernacle, the holy place, that you would see the table of showbread and you would see the menorah there in the holy place. Then you would go beyond that compartment into the what, saints? The most holy place or the holy of holies. And it's there in the holy of holies that you would see the mercy seat. The Ark of the Covenant, on top of the Ark of the Covenant, you see the mercy seat. Now listen very carefully. The metals, as you make your way through the courtyard into the holy place, into the most holy place, the metals begin to change and they become more precious. Notice in the courtyard, it's brass. We have this brass altar or this brass basin, as I explained to you. Then you go into the holy place and you've got the menorah and the table of showbread. And remember, we talked about the menorah and the table of showbread are made of what kind of wood? Thank you. Are made of acacia wood and it's overlaid with what? Gold. So we go from brass to acacia wood overlaid with gold to the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant is and the mercy seat is not overlaid with anything. That baby is pure gold. It's solid gold. So what we can see, listen, what we can see is that things get more precious and more costly the closer you get to the presence of the Lord. And the further, conversely, the further away you are, the less costly it is. I think there's a sermon in there somewhere. And I found that to be true in my life personally. Can I get a witness? The closer you try to get to the Lord, don't you know, Satan, it's costly to get close to the Lord. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your time because you're going to have to pray. 
and read your Bible and go to church and do all the Christian stuff, it's going to cost you something if you want to get close to the Lord. And it'll cost you a little less if you kind of want to stay out there in the courtyard, which is where most of the Christian folks want to go. I don't want to go here. Please y'all pray for me. (laughs) Isn't that true? We want to stay in the courtyard. We want to see just enough of Jesus so he's over there. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's great. I'm over here in the court. Well, come close. Well, no, it costs too much. Nah, it's pretty costly. Yeah, it is costly. We can learn that lesson as you look at the courtyard, the holy place, and the most holy place. If you understood anything I just said, say amen. 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 Now, with that said, chapter 28, verse 1. Amen. Y'all pray for me. I'm out of time. (laughs) All right. Now, look, chapter 28, beginning in verse one, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Now, take Aaron, your brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel. Why, saints, that he may minister to me as priest, Aaron and Aaron's sons. Their names are Nadab, Abihu, you guys remember them? Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you, in verse 2, shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans. Would you underline that? Whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, underline that that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, here it is, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. Some of your Bibles say a girdle or a belt. So they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that he may minister to me as priest. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you know your Bibles, you already know my following comments. The Levites, you know, or the descendants of Levi, were the priestly tribe. They were in charge of the tabernacle. Remember, the tabernacle was designed as such that it could be moved. It was supposed to be mobile. So as God would move the people, the tabernacle would move with them. It was the job of the priest to be sure that the tabernacle was taken down and transported properly and put up properly. The sons of Aaron become the priesthood in the tabernacle and they offer sacrifices. Now, did you get this from verse uh, 20, uh, chapter 28, verse 1? Did you get this? That, that, that Aaron and his sons were called by God and were appointed as priests. They were appointed as priests. Saints, I want you to understand something, and especially if you have a mind for ministry. Matter of fact, I have a lot to say about ministry tonight, and I got some ministry kind of points or takeaways that I hope to be able to have time to give to you. But if you have a mind for ministry... You have to understand that it is God who appoints to ministry. This was not a position that they could volunteer for. This was not something that could be earned or even something to aspire to. 
It was appointed by God and could only be inherited by calling or birthright. Let me share something with you. Let me share it quickly, if you will. Don't ever listen to ministry people. If you have a mind for ministry, don't ever, 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 or if you don't, don't ever call yourself to the ministry. Don't ever do that. The ministry is no place for ambition and self-glory. You want to notice this ministry could only be entered into by call and invitation. God invites you into ministry. I can honestly say, I'm happy to be able to say, here we are 12 years in the life of this church. And I know today, like I knew prior to even coming here, I did not call me here. Raleigh wasn't in my mind. I would love to say, oh, I had a heart for Raleigh. You know, people are always like, I have a heart for this, and I have a heart for that. I honestly, I mean, I understand what you're trying to say, but I don't know what that means because I never had a heart for Raleigh. I never, uh, Raleigh, when they, told, when they asked me to go to Raleigh, I said, where is it? <laughs> I'm kidding you now. Look, I love y'all. I'm just keeping it real. I did not know where the place was. I'm from Philly. I did know, not know where Raleigh was. I got here and found out that Annie Griffin was here. And the car is here. And the car in Mayberry? Mayberry is a fictitious town, isn't it? Uh-huh. And don't, don't, don't they have the police truck somewhere around Apex? It's not in Apex. It's in North Carolina, isn't it? It's in Mooresville, the police truck. But I didn't know anything. But I didn't have a heart for here. But I know that God called me here. It was God who interrupted my life. And it was God who said, Rodney, I don't want you to do this. I want you to go to Raleigh, North Carolina. And I want you to plant a church there. And I'm going to take care of God. Just mapped it out. I told you, I want to go into it. I can't. But God just took care of everything. Just told me where to go and what to do and put everybody in place. And look what God has done. Look at all y'all. God's brought you to this place. You need to clap your hands. That's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. God brought you to this place. And now we're all together. We're all being blessed. And we all grow together. And we all learn the word together. It's wonderful what God has done at Calvary Chapel in Apex. It's actually Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex. <laughs> but don't ever, 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 ever call yourself the ministry. Because here's the thing. When ministry gets tough and 12 years later, you're going to have to know that you know that you know that God called you there. Otherwise, you'll bail. No question. If God didn't call me here, I'd been gone a long time ago. But God called me here. And I'm not free to leave. Because I didn't call myself. Amen. If I call myself, then I can leave when I want. Y'all say amen. All right, y'all wake up and say amen again. (laughs) See, God calls you into the ministry. So here we're God calling Aaron and his sons into the ministry. And, And they had to wear, did you notice this? They had to wear special clothes. Special clothes, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a tunic, a turban, and a sash. And you want to notice, saints, these clothing, these articles of clothing were beautiful, fine cloth made by gifted artisans, the Bible tells us. In other words, listen, these were spirit, there were spirit-filled seamstress who God put his anointing on to make clothes for the priest. In all of God's design, search the scriptures, see if these things are so. In all of God's designs, God fills a person with the spirit, anoints them, gifts them to do the thing that he called them to design. 
We learn from scripture, and we've talked about just a bit, that there was a guy by the name of Beziel who was a spirit-filled furniture maker. And you search the scriptures and you see there were spirit-filled brick stonemasons and spirit-filled jewel cutters. As God put his spirit on them to do what he called them to do. And there are people in the body whom God has gifted to do what they're to do. We all have gifts. God anoints you to do what you do. It's just a gift. That's why the temple was so beautiful. That's why the clothes, don't take a look at it tonight, were so beautiful because there was a spirit-filled seamstress to make Aaron and his sons articles of clothing. Look at verse 5 with me, if you will. They shall take the gold in verse 5, blue and purple and scarlet thread and the fine linen, and they shall make the ephod of gold, blue, purple, scarlet thread and fine woven linen artistically worked. And it shall have two shoulder straps joined at its two edges, and so it shall be joined together. And the intricately woven band, that's the girdle of the ephod, which is on it, shall be of the same workmanship, made of what, saints? Gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen. And then you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone and six on the other stone in order of their birth. With the work of the engraver and stone, like the engraving of the signet, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. And you shall set them in settings of gold. And you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. And so Aaron, watch this, shall bear their names before the Lord on his shoulders as a memorial. And you shall also make settings of gold and you shall make two chains of pure gold like braided cords and fasten the braided chains to the settings. Stop right there. Give me your attention. So what we have here, saints, is are you listening? Special clothing for the priest. So the question arises then, why did they have to wear special clothes? Well, I think it's obvious to set them apart. So when you would see them, you would say, oh, well, there, there's a man of God. There's a a man of the cloth. But I'll tell you something. You know, there are some people today who like to enjoy wearing special clothes that distinguish them from the common people today. And that's fine. Don't misunderstand me. That's okay. That's fine. But I don't think that's necessary. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think that priests and ministers today need to wear special clothes. Why? Because number one, listen, we don't live in the Old Testament economy. Somebody say amen. Amen. Number two, in the New Testament, listen, very important. There is no separate priesthood. There's no separate priesthood in the New Testament. Listen, the Bible teaches there is one mediator between God and man, and his name is who? And then Peter, 2 Peter, pardon me, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 tells us that we are all kings and priests unto God. So there's no separate priesthood. So you don't need to, here's the thing, you don't need to go to the special person So the special person can go to Jesus, so Jesus can go to the Father, so the Father can tell Jesus, and Jesus can tell the special person, and the special person can come tell you. 
That's crazy. You don't need to do that. You don't need to wear special. I don't like to wear special clothing. I try not to look like a special person. Don't y'all say amen. (laughs) You know, I remember this one time. I got to tell you this. I remember this one time. uh, I was officiating this wedding, and the family thought it important that I wear special clothing, a robe. And I didn't want to wear special clothes, but because I was trying to walk in love, I wore this special clothes, and I wore a robe. And I felt a little awkward in the special clothes, you know, because I don't wear special clothes. And, and, and I try to get out of wearing the special clothes because I don't think the special clothes are necessary. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.